It's here in the city. It's here in the city. This is here in the city. This is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. I'm Sarah Harris. New message. Truth should be truth. But then it depends on, in the telling, whose truth is it. We're here most Tuesdays, bringing you radio realities from the urban landscape and mapping the city with voices of creative social change in and around Los Angeles. On Pacifica Radio, powered by the people, thanks to the generous support of you, our listeners, the capable crew at KPFK, the innovators of web-based radio at SoundCloud, news you might have missed at newsdesk.org, and the community-funded reporting project, Spot Us. You can find us on the web at here in the city. That's H E A R in the city.org. If you look at a satellite view of Los Angeles, Echo Park Lake would probably be a tiny blue speck on the western edge of downtown, flanked by the Hollywood Freeway. But if you're a bird, the lake is an aqua oasis with enough green canopy to attract passing herons, cormorants, wild geese, mallard ducks, the occasional swan. If you're familiar with the historic park around the lake, in your mind's eye, you might conjure up the ring of tall palm trees and eucalyptus that surround the lake, or you might think of those pink and white lotus flowers that pop up once a year on the northern edge of the lake next to that huge copper bust of Jose Martí. Well, the lotus are not there anymore, and neither is the water for now. This lake was deemed as an impaired water body by the U.S. Water Board, and that means that um, it has pollutants in it. And it was also, the lake edge was also falling apart, therefore the lake was not going to be very sustainable for a long time. That voice belongs to... Michelle Vargas, Public Information Officer for the Department of Public Works. For the City of Los Angeles. For the City of Los Angeles. I wanted to meet Michelle at Echo Park Lake so that we could look out at the old red wooden bridge that crosses the water, or what used to be the water, toward a little island. And that little island has been a roost for a motley crew of domestic ducks and cantankerous geese for decades. Like the lotus, those birds are not here anymore at Echo Park Lake. And I wanted to talk about the birds today, but in order to get to the story about the birds, Michelle is going to explain where the water has gone and why the lake bed looks like a giant construction site and what your tax dollars have to do with it. This is a $65 million project called the Echo Park Lake Rehabilitation. And what it is, is that we are making this lake a better area for the community to enjoy. Um, it is funded by Proposition O, a clean water bond program approved by Los Angeles voters in 2004. And what it is, is that it addresses water quality issues in our receiving bodies across the city of LA. So this is something that um, most people probably don't know, but Echo Park Lake does serve a function in the watershed in Los Angeles. Yes, uh, Echo Park Lake is actually a part of the city's storm drain system. What that means is that it takes urban runoff from a 700 acre area or sub watershed of Echo Park 
And when it rains, that urban runoff that flows down the streets into our storm drains come to Echo Park Lake before it connects downstream to the Los Angeles River. So that would explain, I mean, right now we're looking at these very pristine and new retaining walls that I imagine will serve as sort of the perimeter of the lake and contain it. But previously, uh, it was pretty nasty, those like graded drains on the edges of the lake on this side. Yes, so what we did was we came in and we talked to the community, found out what they like to see in their park. And our Bureau of Engineering also designed plans on how we could manage the flow of stormwater into the lake um, to prevent any, any more pollutants and, of course, for us to be able to clean it up. So right now we're going to, as part of this project, we are draining the lake, or we have drained the lake. We are dredging it, meaning we are removing sediment. And we're making all these improvements, including the retaining wall that you currently see. Um, and that will be part of the new lake. And the, the filtration of the water to prevent further contamination, where does that happen in the landscape? Can I see it somewhere? There is no filtration, but what it is, is right at the corner of Park and Echo Park, there is an inlet structure, which means that there is a storm drain inlet that takes runoff from the area into the lake. There was a trash removal mechanism, but we're improving that to make it more effective so that we can prevent the trash from flowing into the lake. So everything that just runs off of the roads um, from the car particulate matter to garbage ends up going downhill into this space unless it's stopped? There's a lot of materials that are in our urban runoff. That includes oils, bacteria, pet waste, pesticides, and more visible, visible ones like trash. Um, a lot of people have just thrown their cigarette butts onto the street. That does flow into the lake. At this island right here where the geese and ducks used yes. to live they they would spend a lot of time on that island that is the the island and the bridge are very much a part of the streetscape or the landscape of echo park lake so we made a very conscious effort to be able to maintain the identity of the lake and preserve the ones that are very important to the community um, the lake was also home to temporary ponds that we had set up for some of the birds we knew that when we started this project, we would have impacts not only to the community members, but also to our feathered friends that like to live in this area. So we were able to work together with the community, the Audubon Society, to watch out for some possible solutions that we could implement for the birds. So that was a 16-wheeler <laughs> because by nature of an enormous public works project like this, this is a noisy site. There are a lot of big trucks moving through. Those are uh, trucks that haul waste or the sediment that are that is currently on the lake bottom. We're where does it all go? We have identified landfills that have the capacity to take the soil that we have here, depending on how it tests. And then is it being replaced or will it will the lake become a bit deeper? It will definitely be a little deeper. It will be three feet in the most shallow edges and up to 12 feet in the deepest parts. That is what it's supposed to be. So we are taking it back to the condition that it's supposed to be. We also need to be able to get to the lake bottom and reline it because it's a very important element of this project. There was a seepage into the groundwater of lake water and the city is mandated to keep the level of the lake at a certain line or it's a certain level. 
So we were pumping precious potable water into this. So us being able to implement that lake liner will keep us from having to use that precious water for the lake. And it's still a moving body of water though, so it will be healthy? I mean, it can be maintained as a moving body of water? It is a lake and it is functioning as a detention basin for our storm water. There is definitely some movement, but not as much as we would want it to be. However, after this project is done, we will have all these pumps that will circulate the water through natural wetlands, which will naturally clean the water of pollutants and be able to basically make it a moving water body, as you oh, called it. So it's like a swimming pool almost, but a giant <laughs> one. <laughs> it's a lake. <laughs> so um, the birds, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about the, the feathered friends, because for many years, I and probably a lot of people listening to the show who know Echo Park are very familiar with the geese, uh, the gray geese who are not always so friendly, and the Canada geese who come and go, um, and the cormorants that used to be in the eucalyptus tree up here. There are two kinds of birds at this lake. One, are, one type is the domesticated birds, which are the geese that you can see roaming around, and there are also the ones that are migratory, that just come by and um, you know they leave as they go. Those are protected. For the domesticated ones that get very friendly with the community, those are what we call the domesticated ones. So the species that are migratory are protected and we cannot purposefully move them. When this project was um, identified, we figured that they will be able to find ways to move themselves naturally. However, for the domesticated birds, we know that they would probably be staying around here and um, that surely was what happened or what they did up until early this year. For many years, I and probably a lot of people listening to the show who know Echo Park are very familiar with the geese, uh, the gray geese who are not always so friendly, and the Canada geese who come and go, um, and the cormorants that used to be in the eucalyptus tree up here. There are two kinds of birds at this lake. One, are, one type is the domesticated birds, which are the geese that you can see roaming around, and there are also the ones that are migratory, that just come by. and. Um, we had three temporary ponds that we set up, primarily for use of the migratory birds. The migratory birds have, according to the Audubon Society, I have identified Echo Park Lake as a natural stopping point for them when they migrate. So in our efforts to make sure that we do not deprive them of any water source, we were able to put in these temporary ponds, two on the island and one right by the boathouse. Um, however, the domesticated birds started using it as well up until early this year. Early this year, something happened that forced the city to move those domestic birds. The geese and ducks can't leave the park on their own, primarily because they can't fly. They've been bred to be meat, not for flight. And that characteristic proved to turn a couple of the birds into sitting ducks on the island one night. What happened was there was an accident on Glendale Boulevard that happened shortly after we started the project and we fenced it. A car accident. There was a car accident. And just when we fenced the whole park footprint to start our construction, that vehicle, that vehicular accident involved a car hitting our fence and making a breach in, in the security of the area. 
between the accident and our repairs, apparently, a coyote made it on site. And it's very common to have coyotes in this area. A lot of the community members called us, the project team, to let us know that this was happening. And it was unfortunate because the coyote did attack a couple of birds. What our team did was we fenced around the temporary ponds that where the domesticated birds were staying so that we could protect them from the coyote until Animal Services was able to help us move or get, get the coyote out of the area. And shortly after, um, with consultations with the proper wildlife experts, we were able to find nearby parks that resemble Echo Park Lake, and we brought the geese, the domesticated birds, to those two locations. One is right by MacArthur Park, just nearby, and then the other one is down at Lincoln Park. That day I was here with our team of engineers and wildlife biologists who very carefully at the supervision or with the supervision of Judy Raskin from the Audubon Society moved the geese in the groups that they were usually hanging out with and we moved them to these two locations and I can tell you as soon as they got out of their holding cells and they were put into their new homes they were just loving it and they went right for the water they just started getting familiar with their community and we heard back from Judy the following week that, sure enough, they were loving it. Actually, they're not tail feathers, they're wingtips, because when the wings are tucked in... This is what it is, this is what it's going to be. You are listening to Here in the City on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, and 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. That's right, he's as big as a, as a mallard maybe, and we were interested in protecting him. He's the one that probably got lost on migration five years ago and couldn't find his way home. Wow. Well, I'll start and say this is here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris, and I am here in MacArthur Park with... Judy Raskin. Who is a member of... Well, I'm an Echo Park resident. I'm a member of Los Angeles Audubon. I do not speak for them, but I do things that I like because I like to do them. (laughs) And you happen to be in Echo Park when some of these birds that we're looking at were uh, relocated. Yes, that's correct. That was uh, around January 2012. Previous to that, when the reconstruction of Echo Park Lake began uh, about six months before that, around July of 2011, the arrangement that Los Angeles Audubon made with uh, the Bureau of Engineering, which supervises that project, was that since it became difficult to leave water in the lake and do the job of relining the lake, we would have to drain it, engineering agreed to construct four temporary ponds so that the domestic birds, that's those birds that don't fly, water birds that don't fly, like the domestic geese and uh, ducks, would have a place to be without relocating them, as well as some water birds that remained year-round that had acclimated to Echo Park Lake. One of them, of course, is Ross's goose. Now, Ross is our smallest wild goose, our smallest domestic wild goose. And he's barely larger than, let's say, a mallard duck. If you look at any geese, you know how sizable they are. They're very stocky in the center. They have long wings. Ross is not that at all. He is 
he's a shrimp compared to them. And uh, somehow on some migration, because they come from the Arctic, they fly back and forth every year to All their, the way to Southern California? All the way, yes. If you look at the range maps, you will see that some Ross's geese actually fly down to about where we are now. And then at the end of whatever the season is, they fly back. That's a really long trip. It is. For some reason, this goose, who we call Ross, did not make that trip. Our thinking is that uh, he was probably young. He might have been, maybe the winds kept him away from the rest of the flock. He got lost. He had no mentor. He had nobody to say, go that way, it's time. And so he stayed. So he's been at Echo Park Lake since about 2006, at least six years, which is an eternity for a wild bird. So on the day that uh, the domestic friends were were corralled, as Michelle explained how they were, she said she was watching you and the Bureau of Engineering sort of gently coax them down a chute and she said that Ross didn't go with them because that they were not allowed to touch him. Well Ross did go with them obviously he's here now but maybe um, what they mean by touch is maybe they were being more careful of his well-being than perhaps the domestic birds who are bigger and stronger and probably a lot more accustomed to having people around. Oh so he didn't fly here? Oh no! I don't think he would know. I mean, if he could fly, not that he can't fly, he can. I have seen him in the air. But if he could fly, would he fly here? Who knows? He could just as easily go to the Pacific Ocean, the Los Angeles River, or back to the Arctic. So I was the one who suggested bringing Ross here. The reason is it's close to Echo Park Lake. Everybody knows Ross at Echo Park. And because this is only about a five minutes drive away, people who still want to keep up with him can come down here and see him. So he has a following of people who know him? Yes. Well, it's hard to miss him. He is the smallest goose any, any, uh, in this flock. And um, he is usually, now let me take a look through my binoculars here. I want to see if he's surrounded by his friends. I know this sounds funny to put these values on birds, but um, Ross and three other domestic ducks, uh, the three other domestic geese, became a little mini flock of their own. I would guess, if I were again giving them human qualities, that these three sizable domestic geese looked at him as a gosling that didn't grow up. So goslings are very small and they should grow up to be big geese, but he didn't grow. So maybe they adopted him or maybe they thought, well, he'll grow up in time. We'll keep him here. So three of these geese, which were named by some other park person, another park viewer, what did he call them? Uh, Beelzebub, Snowy, and... uh, Well, I don't remember. He named these domestic geese who became Ross's protectors. Do they ever have, um, you said you've seen them have chicks before? Yes, some of these domestic birds do have 
uh, do lay eggs and do have chicks or goslings. But they don't seem to have them very often. I don't know the reason. Maybe this, these aren't the right circumstances for them. They may want different conditions. What is that black bird with its wings outstretched like a bat? Black, oh, that is a uh, um, double-crested cormorant. And they, the reason that they put their wings out like that is because they don't have the ability to dry their feathers unless they stand out here like the wet wash, you know, on the line. Whereas with some birds, if their feathers get wet, it doesn't impair them at all. But if their feathers are wet, they can't dive. The geese finally started making some interesting noise, so I turned my microphone toward them. I want to see if I can record them. And Judy picked up her binoculars to determine the species of a heron nesting in the palm trees on the little island across from Mama's Hot Tamales. At that point, I noticed a man at the edge of the lake with two red shopping carts pull out a cork-surfaced, very pliable fishing pole and cast it into the waters of MacArthur Park Lake. Do you catch anything? I'm in Russia and I'm, I'm uh, trying to catch me a catfish. What, there are catfish in this lake? Yeah, they got some nice uh, catfishes out here. Can you eat them? Yeah, they're good. I would never have thought that in MacArthur Park that you could catch a catfish yeah, big enough to eat. Yeah, my son, he caught like, they had that tournament Saturday, he caught like, last Saturday, he caught like 14, you know, 14 catfish. How old is he? 12. Oh, so he's a good fisherman at 12? Yeah. Rochelle reeled in a sizable catfish that really bent that rod, and he set it down gently on the cement slab in front of us he pulled out a clean short. towel yeah. oh, that's the birders can make a mistake and he eased the hook out of its he mouth pulled out the hook what do you do next Listen, put that up in there what does that do keep it, put him back in the water and keep him alive oh really yeah Oh, you mean until you're ready to take him home? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. You're actually tying him up like you'd tie up a dog while you go into the store. (laughs) He'll be all right. Where did you learn how to do that? I'm from the south. I'm from Alabama. So, you know, I used to fish with my my uncle. And I was staying out there with them. How long have you been in Los Angeles? I've been been out here in L.A. since I was 19. Yeah. Then you truly have fresh fish. They, they put like 800 fish out here last Saturday. They had a tournament out here. Uh, they have the California Fish and Wildlife restock certain urban lakes, and I think they do it on some sort of a schedule of once every six or eight weeks. Why would they do that? Well, to encourage people in the city to fish. It's an activity that's usually done in trouts and streams a long way from the city. Oh, so you're pretty sure that this is a healthy fish to eat then? Yeah, everybody eat them. Everybody fish out here eat them. I think that's pretty amazing. You can come and you can basically catch your own dinner right here in the middle of Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Enjoy your fish. Thank you.
And with that, Rochelle, Judy Raskin, and I said goodbye, and I walked across the park to the corner of 7th and Alvarado, where people were lined up all along the windows of historic Langer's Deli. It looked like a line that would be formed by people waiting for a free lunch. So I walked up to a chatty old bato wearing big glasses and big hair, standing in the line, and I asked him. And actually, that's exactly what it was, a free lunch. Good morning. Hi. Can interview me? I'm wondering what's everybody here for? Okay, I'll tell you why, okay? They're having their anniversary language, and they're giving a free pastrami sandwich, which is the number 19. And the reason it's the number 19 is because that is a sandwich that was invented by them. In other words, you know, you order pastrami and rye, that's it, right? Or you order pastrami with cheese, that's it, right? But they took it up a notch. They went pastrami, Swiss, coleslaw, and I don't know what that, something else, and, and they called it the 19. If you go get the menu, they're free, right over there. Have you had one before? I'm a strictly pastrami guy. I like pastrami alone. I want to taste the flavor of the pastrami. Where are we at right now? Huh? Where are we at right now? Well, we're next to MacArthur Park, and uh, this is sort of like uh, this is like a South American area full of Colombians and uh, and. Um, Central American people. And what's your name? Rafael. Thank you very much. Sure. Are you going to have a pastrami sandwich? Yeah, yo, say my thing. Watch, come here. Let me show you something. I have a quick question, madame. Sure. I was trying to tell this lady, I'm a pastrami lover, right? Oh, this is the best. Right, but so here's the thing. Like, I've eaten pastrami in New York at Cotton's, and they're good. They're good, but this is better. Why? Because the way it's cut here, it's juicier, it's fresher, it's nicer. Now, I like pastrami on your rice, because the rice is crispy on the outside and soft on the inside. But you guys are giving away the number 19. Yes. Which is, I was telling her, an original that you guys made. Yes. Which is pastrami with Russian uh, dressing, dressing and coleslaw. coleslaw and cheese. And cheese. How many people do you expect to serve today? Today, about 2,000 people. That's what we're prepared for at least. Congratulations. Thank you. And that's it for Here in the City today. We will have a slideshow of the birds from Echo Park and MacArthur Park and of Rochelle catching that catfish on our website, Here in the City. That's H-E-A-R in the city dot org. Special thanks this week to Jesse Lerner, Alvaro Parra, Holly Harper, Albert Chacon, and to the engineering staff at KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, our local station. I'm your host, Sarah Harris. Until next week, peace. And don't forget, sometimes there actually is a free lunch. I bet there's a nest up there but I can't be sure.